0: welcome to the inspire cio leadership unscripted podcast i'm your host evan mclaughlin you know there's no textbook for how to be a great cio technology moves too fast and every organization is different the best investment you can make in your career is joining a peer leadership network to collaborate with other cios for diverse industries facing similar challenges inspire cio brings together leading chief information officers in major cities across the u.s To share ideas and best practices, avoid pitfalls, build community, and recognize leadership excellence through local CIO of the Year or the awards. Leadership Unscripted is where Inspire CIO members connect, refresh relationships, and meet leading CIOs from other chapters. The topic is always leadership, and the goal is always to inspire CIOs to achieve their leadership potential. Find your chapter and join today at InspireCIO.com. Today's Leadership Conversation features Georgia CIO member Steve Clancy, CIO of Georgia Pacific and Inspire CIO founder, Frank Bell. Steve has been with Georgia Pacific for over 25 years, serving in the CIO role since 2017. He leads the IT organization of one of the world's top manufacturers and marketers of tissue, packaging, pulp, paper, cellulose, nonwovens, building products, and related chemicals. The company employs more than 35,000 people at nearly 200 locations around the world. Please enjoy today's leadership conversation with Steve Clancy with Inspire CIO founder, Frank Bell.
1: Steve Clancy, welcome to Leadership Unscripted. It's great to see you today.
2: Thanks Frank, great to be here.
1: Looks like a sunny day in Atlanta, Georgia. It's a Chamber of Commerce day down
2: here. It's just beautiful. The heat hasn't really kicked in yet, so it's a perfect day.
1: Yeah, well hey, just a little bit about your leadership journey to uh, to get to Atlanta. Uh, you grew up a Red Sox fan, huh? You're from Boston? Yeah, born and raised up in Boston, a little
2: little uh, city called Somerville, just outside of Boston. And yeah, that's where I grew up and uh, was up there for, gosh, I'd say 32, 33 years. So yeah, the Red Sox and Patriots and all those teams, it's in the blood, Frank, you know, I can't get it out.
1: Oh man, so computer science degree, then an MBA, and then where did you start your business career?
2: Yeah, I, I started at, um, A company called Morton Thiokol, which you may have heard of before. They made chemicals, uh, booster rockets, and and earbags. And, yeah, I spent about uh, 10, 11 years with them doing various IT work. And, uh, yeah, then probably in uh, late 90, late 95 or so, came came down to GP for a couple of years.
1: Okay, so what brought you to GP? They were doing a
2: big uh, enterprise SAP project. As you probably remember, that was around the time. Y2K and everybody needed to upgrade and change their system. So Georgia Pacific embarked on this enterprise-wide SAP. Uh, a buddy of mine had come from Morton Diacol down to Georgia Pacific and said, Hey, this is this is a great opportunity. Come down and learn this SAP tool. And, and I came down and at the time it was kind of funny. I, I thought, geez, I'll come down for you know three, four, five years, work on this project, then go back to Boston. And you know, 26 years later, Frank, here I am, you know, still at Georgia Pacific.
1: Wow. So I want to help people understand a little bit about Georgia Pacific. So uh, building materials, consumer products, uh, including lumber, gymsum, plywood, and also toilet paper, paper towels, plates, cups, napkins. It seems like uh, you've been involved in both ends of the pandemic. Like there wasn't enough uh, toilet paper at the beginning and then there's not enough lumber now to build all the houses and everything. What's, tell Tell me about that.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, first of all, I feel fortunate, you know, that that to be in a business where your products are in demand during this whole kind of crazy time we're all living through is still very fortunate. Yeah, but I get that question a lot as people go to the home improvement store and they ask me what's going on. Uh, Part of the story is demand, as you would expect. It's just record demand for building materials right now, driven by a couple of things, right? One is um, as people have gone through the pandemic, uh, their home, a lot of people wanted to remodel their home. So there's there's a there's kind of a big uh, demand push there. Others are in a house and whether they were children or whatever their situation, a lot of people want a bigger house, you know? So, so there's this push to uh, get a larger home or if, if you're in a multi-tenant dwelling, you want to be in a big single family home. Um, I, I'll give you a couple other factors, Frank, that I think are really driving this crazy demand. Um, uh, one is, you know, of course, we've all lived through uh, COVID and the whole remote work opportunity is pretty fascinating right now. People are able to say, I don't have to live in the city. I can go to the suburbs, I could go even further out, and In some cases, I can work anywhere I want. So again, that's also spurring demand for building materials. And the, and the final reason I'll give you is just sort of economics. If you, if you look at interest rates, historically low, housing values are very high. And that combination is causing people to say, I can sell my house, I can get a bigger house, I get a nice low interest rate. So it has driven demand beyond anything we've ever seen. The other thing I'll just, I'll just throw at you to kind of think about what, and what's happening with pricing, the supply side has been pretty interesting too. When the pandemic first hit, like a lot of building products companies, we, we cut back on our production. Uh, we, we shut down our, our, our lower performing assets. Um, the distributors drew down their inventory. So we were all surprised when that summer demand spiked right back up and we were unprepared for it. So you've got this historic demand, Match with uh, low supply, and you know, you go back to your college days of macroeconomics. It's a classic, you know, supply demand curve, and that's what's driving the pricing to go higher. I would say, people then want to say, okay, well, Steve, once, you know, my friends that want to buy materials, when's it going to come down? I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I think we're in this situation probably through this year into next year. It will eventually come down, though. These prices, they they inevitably always do.
1: Yeah. Well. The scale of Georgia Pacific is is immense. Uh, 30,000 employees, 180 locations across 30 states. Uh, You buy over 5,000 loads of logs per day uh, ingested into into your plants. Um, And then you're shipping out 1,800 trucks a day. uh, Makes you the fourth largest freight shipper uh, in the U.S. behind Amazon, Walmart, and Home Depot. And then you're exporting cellulose, which is a wood byproduct, I guess, to uh, 75 countries around the world. It's it's an immense business.
2: Yeah, and th- there's a lot of complexity with what you just described. And you know, as you can imagine, information technology and and, and infrastructure and data play a huge role in what is a very complex uh, supply chain, uh, customer service, and obviously manufacturing environment as well. I will say this: you, know, you mentioned the 5,000 trucks. A little- logs a day, and we do use that. It's all from sustainable forestry, so 100% of the of the, of the lumber we use is sustainably forest, which means there's a replanting program, so we're not just taking from the environment, we're actually making sure we're replenishing uh, what we took. So I always, I always wanna throw that in too, because sometimes you yeah. hear that, like, wow, what are those guys doing?
1: Well, it's, it's a remarkable um, business. Um, so uh, in, in 2005, uh, you were ten years into the role at, at GP. Um, you got a phone call. Uh, tell me about that. Yeah, I was. Uh, I was on the road
2: working on a, a project we were doing, uh, installing a new system. Anyways, I, I got a phone call one one night from my boss, and uh, she told me, "Hey, I just want to let you know that Coke just bought Georgia Pacific." And my first reaction, being an Atlanta person, now I was like, "Why did Coca-Cola buy Georgia Pacific?" And she said, "No, no, no, Charles Coke." Of course, and I said, who's that, right? And it it wasn't until later that I realized it was part of Coke Industries, uh, which is truly one of the largest private companies in the world. Revenues every year are about 130 billion, uh, over 120,000 employees all over the globe. So it was this really strange experience and and a very good experience transitioning from being what, at the time, was a pretty good-sized public company in Georgia Pacific.
1: Yeah, 20 billion in revenue, I think.
2: Yeah, that's right to to this massive global private company. It was a very interesting experience to go through that change.
1: So Coke uh, Industries is known for uh, a methodology called market-based management. So I'm sure you probably teach a course in that these days with your experience with that. But no budgets. Like, how in the world can you operate a business of that scale with no budgets?
2: Yeah, it, 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 that, that one always gets people's interest. They're like, oh, how can that be? And and part of the reason we do it, we have a plan every year. So, I I mean, it's not like I can't tell you what I believe I'll spend uh, for information technology. But here's the thing. If during the year somebody comes up with a good idea, an idea that's going to generate profit and value for our company, even though it's going to raise my IT cost, why wouldn't we do that? Let's say say it has a million dollars of cost to me, but yet it's going to generate five, six, seven million dollars for the company. I'm not going to sit in my role and say, well, I can't do that because I go over budget. We have a good explainable reason why the budget would be higher. So within MBM, we, we, you know, we, we, we focus on innovation, value creation. We have a good thing called a challenge process. So when somebody has an idea, we think through it. But we also have this thing called decision rights, which makes us go fast. And decision rights means... That there's people in the company that have a level of decision rights where they can authorize us to move without having to get all kinds of different levels of approval. And, and that allows us to move fast. But also, I have decision rights to say, yeah, I, that's a profitable decision. I'm going to go do it. And then I just explain why my, my I'm over my plan number for the year. So it's a huge advantage for us. I see other competitors where they're tied to this budget and they can't do smart things because it wasn't in the budget. But you think about what a crazy idea that is. I don't know how many of the uh, viewers are, but sometimes you start that budget planning process 12, 18 months ahead of the year, you have no idea how the world's gonna change. Right. So I think it's a big advantage for us that, that we run it the way we run it.
1: Yeah, because then you're just measuring yourself against some arbitrary goal that was set, as you said, 12 to 18 months in advance versus what the market conditions actually are and what you're what you're actually seeing. And then being a private company, you don't have to manage quarter to quarter you Hear so many public companies kind of complain about the street and how you have to be so short sighted versus making longer term bets.
2: That's that's been really one of the refreshing things with this whole change. Uh, the, the change being being part of Coke Industries is that you're right, and we don't have to we make long term value decisions, so we it's no problem for a decision that takes 18 24 plus months to pay out as long as we know it's going to pay out versus some of the uh. Public companies can't do that because they've got to answer to investors every, every quarter on that. Uh, in fact, at, at our company, uh, Charles Koch invests 90 to 95% of the profits go back into the assets and the businesses and improvements to those businesses. So it's really a, a really strong model for long-term value creation and
1: growth. Wow, I, I think is one of the wealthiest individuals in the world that's uh, been yeah. proven out to, to work out pretty well. He might know a thing or two, you know? I, He's figuring some things out. I think so. In a, in a recent visit, you were sharing with me that you really love being in the, in the plants and, and being with the line workers and sort of asking questions about, you know, how they're using IT or how they're using the, the systems that you build and the importance of that connection um, with uh, the line workers and the plant managers and the work that you're overseeing, you know, corporately. Um, tell us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, you know, I... I, I um I, I love that opportunity to get out and see what we really do. Like I you know, I sit here in this corporate office, as you can see behind me and, and, you know, I, I always think about new team members that come in that have never been to a manufacturing site. And it's like, you really don't understand who we are and what we do until you get out to a, to a uh, one of our manufacturing sites. So, so I encourage all our team members to get out there. I personally love it. I, I've always been fascinated with how things are made. And just the process of, of whether it's making, you know, a box or, or a piece of plywood, it's just always been fascinating to me to watch it. But I also think it makes the IT team better when they know that process, too, when they understand what's really going on, because then they can understand how their solutions, how the technology is enabling us to make those Absolutely. products. And the same the same goes true, What you know, you could be supporting a customer service team or an accounting team. Go out there and spend time with those customers. Watch how they use our systems. And that, I think, gives you very creative ideas for how we can optimize and do things even better.
1: Oh, that's terrific advice. Well, in uh, 2019, you, as a member of Georgia CIO, hosted an insider program at your innovation center over uh, near the campus of Georgia Tech. And I remember that uh, you were talking about in these huge manufacturing mills how you were Enabling kind of an IoT strategy with sensors. Can you tell us about that and how significant that work has been to the profitability of the company? Yeah, that
2: that's um, that's been that's been a big win for us. And so so you know we were I think at least for our industry others are, are ahead of us but for our industry we we're pretty early adopters in saying okay how do we take all this sensor information that our machines are generating get that up into the cloud uh, right right you know, clean the data, which is another big challenge, but then write models using AI and machine learning that create insights that then we can take back down to the to the operations and, and, and make them more efficient. So I'll give you a good example of one. We, we uh, well, I say we, some very smart data scientists were able to um, figure out when a ball bearing was gonna fail 90 days before it failed. So think about that for wow. a second. So they, you know, they use temperature and vibration and pressure, all this all this data correlated it together and then historically looking back at when did a bearing fail they could they could start to see the, the signatures of these different different uh, gauges and they could start to say this divide this, this bearing sort of fail. And in our business with all this rotating equipment at these mills, that's huge for us. So by eliminating um, by, by predicting the bearing failure and being able to proactively fix it, we've significantly reduced unplanned downtime. Which translates into tens of millions of dollars of savings and opportunity by eliminating those unplanned outages. So that's just one example, yeah, Frank, of how we're using this data to do our business in new and different ways. And you know, and we're also looking at automation and robotics and 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 you know, laser guided vehicles. So there's a lot of really interesting technology going into manufacturing. It's not you know, you think making toilet paper, but it's it's pretty it's pretty fascinating to watch the different Technologies now we're now installing into these sites. Well,
1: I remember a phrase from that presentation: is that that minutes translate to to millions. That uh, the scale of an operation like that, if you can uh, reduce the average wait time of a of a truck uh, in or out of the facility, uh, or, you know, across the enterprise, or uh, you can reduce that planned uh, or unplanned downtime, that, that it really is just a you know an enormous impact.
2: Yeah, you know, you think everything you just said and. And then our ability to scale that across the 150, 180 sites, uh, it, it, it adds up to a lot of money and opportunity that, that I, you know, and we're not the only ones working on this. Other, other manufacturers are, are heading down the same path. Uh, there's tremendous opportunity out there for IT and technology in manufacturing.
1: Well, hey, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, it is just great to catch up with you, and thank you for sharing your leadership journey with uh, the audience here at Leadership Unscripted. Great. Well, thanks for inviting me. I enjoyed the time. Thanks, Frank. Fantastic.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Leadership Unscripted, the place where Inspire CIO members convene, collaborate, and meet other CIOs facing similar challenges. Having a network of trusted relationships provides leadership advantage that can move mountains. Participating in spontaneous CIO member-led table conversations, the unscripted part, is what makes Leadership Unscripted unique. The answer is in the room. Are you? Attending Leadership Unscripted is an exclusive benefit for Inspire CIO members or member-invited guests. Find your local chapter at inspirecio.com where you can join or connect with a member who can invite you to a future program. The Orbie Podcast is another way to meet leading CIOs. Just search O-R-B-I-E to find it in your favorite podcast app. Well, that's all we have for today. Until next time, meet me at Leadership Unscripted.